Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Mitten Backstage. Thanks so much for joining us. I am chatting today with Jeff Baldus. Now, Jeff is a Grand Haven-based bass player who I gig with frequently in the Blue Water Kings band, a uh, wedding and corporate uh, network of different Michigan and, and some Chicago area musicians um, just playing different events and different, uh, you know, concerts and things. And he also works for C3, a spiritual community in Grand Haven that, you know, there's no religious dog dogma attached to it, uh, but it focuses on engaging people in, you know, inspiring stories and, and calls to action from different speakers and highlighting local talents and artistry. Um, so he has an office actually right across the hall from me at Third Coast Recording Company, where he does that work during the week. And uh, it was great to chat with him about, you know, being a creative nowadays, the different avenues you can take, some of the, the interesting spectacles that come from this kind of online, you know, landscape of being a creative. So it was nice to chat about a few things today. If you like today's podcast episode and you want to contribute to my podcasting efforts, you can head on over to patreon.com slash There you can contribute at different tier levels to get early access to every podcast episode in audio and video format, exclusive merch, and more. You can also head over to duchessnedeker.com to see everything else that I'm up to around the internet. Why don't you head over there to the old blog page? I have a, a new a set of album reviews that are out. So you can read through those and check out some new music as well as uh, some music that I've recorded and videos that I've done. So all of that is on my website. And don't underestimate your social currency. You have the power to share, follow, like, subscribe, all the different things, all the different terms for different platforms, whether you're watching it or listening to it. Uh, it helps push the podcast out into the algorithmic ether and connect it with more people. So I appreciate those gestures as well. All right, let's get right into today's episode with Jeff Baldus. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, carving out a little time to chat. <laughs> yeah, man, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that like, you know, between Blue Water Kings and then the, the Third Coast thing, I feel like I went from like, like I see you sometimes to seeing you like most months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like all the, I don't know, it seems like you've had a, a busy Blue Water Kings season this year. I don't know if that's been the case or... <laughs> Oh, no, it definitely has. I feel like it was, like, double. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I was thinking about it. I did, I did 35. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, like, I, I was really surprised. Usually, like, um... About August, I start to feel burnt out, but this year it didn't happen until like last week. Yes. <laughs> like, last week I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've you know I have a, a wedding tomorrow, and it's like the details of it are 
I mean, I guess you're on the wedding too. It's like, am I? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's the first Blue Water Kings wedding I've had uh, in about a month. I've had other wedding gigs. Um, I think I played Chris Cranix a couple weeks ago and Steve Leaves last week, and um, and even though it's like, oh, the lineup's easy, the you know, it should be an easy night. It's in Grand Rapids. There's still that part of me that's, you know, just like my defense is up, like, what's going to happen? <laughs> There's going to be yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I had um, last weekend, I had a full, or it was Friday, Saturday, but then I also did like a cocktail hour full gig on Thursday. And it was like, <clears throat> everything went smooth, but Friday was like a nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like people showed up just right in the nick of time without, uh, you know, they weren't prepared with the their equipment. And, and then they didn't know the songs. And it's like, you know, there's like one person if there's one person in the band that doesn't know the songs, you're kind of screwed all night, you know? <clears throat> so everything else went fine, but it was just kind of like, come on, man. Like, where <laughs> are your stuff? It's not like they're difficult songs, you know? No, and especially when it's like, you know, if there's like, three things you have to do for any of these gigs it's like you know just show up with a decent amount of time to like load in and get set like make sure your equipment's good to go and know the music <laughs> right it's like it's all you need <laughs> i mean you don't have to be technically amazing you don't have to you know you don't have to be the greatest musician to do it it's just preparation yeah or even just like a little bit of like it's like preparation and then like a little bit of like being able to be flexible since all those totally. yeah like whether it's the band or you know a surprise from the bride last minute or you know right yeah whatever happens <laughs> yeah we ended up uh that gig we ended up going like completely off set list at one point so it was kind of like mayhem towards the end of the night where we're just like picking tunes out of the air and like in between songs the lead turn around and be like hey do you know this song and it'd be like check the ipad yeah i got a chart like we can do it let's do it you know and everyone it's weird too i've noticed this dynamic like sometimes the whole bridal party will have like the greatest night of their lives and the band will be like what the hell just happened like this was <laughs> awful like i feel terrible i want to go home and like just like cope somehow you know find <laughs> find my coping mechanism yeah that's like that's always the worst feeling where it's like it ever like it it's 
it feels like rarely does it line up perfectly where like yeah the band felt good everything felt good the you know the bride and groom were chill you know the food was good the night was good everything ran like fairly smoothly it's it's always like oh the wedding party had an amazing time and then anyone around that was like just suffering (laughs) right right vendors are all pissed because they're they had to walk their plate to their car through the rain or you know like to go eat (laughs) or you know the bar manager is like that drummer's had too many drinks or you know somebody it it is such a rare thing when everything just falls into place and it works out perfectly um it's almost like I think I've had out of all of those weddings, I think I had one or two that that were really like that all summer long. Yeah. Yeah. I'd had, you know, a handful that were like, like, this is going to work out great. And, you know, other times it's like, or most other times there's some weird, you know, like, Oh, the venue's weird or the planners weird, the, you know, just Mm -hmm. some, somebody's who's has like a position of how they can control the night. They end up making it worse. (laughs) Right. Or it's like a, you know, a crazy aunt or uncle that has decided that they need to, you know, help in some help in some way yeah oh yeah well i'm thinking of um i don't know the fall it's in terms of like less wedding gigs i I think i have three yeah i have i have the one tomorrow and then i have two yeah two of them in december and then i don't have any in november (laughs) and it's i'm almost done for the year (laughs) Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it feels, it's like nice to feel like I'm slowing down a bit, but then kind of like anxiety inducing, because I'm like, did I save enough money? Did I, you know, did I overextend myself as far as like, you know, am I, is it going to be January and I'm going to be like, do I need to sell some stuff? You know, like, I don't want to be there, but like, (laughs) it's kind of, I have, I have this Saturday and then the next two Saturdays or no, the wedding tomorrow. And then the next two Saturdays. Oh yeah. Um, and then I get like two weeks off. And then oh, December, nice. it's kind of like filling up um, <clears throat> kind of rapidly. I just, uh, I'm turning 40 on the 3rd of December. Oh, and, okay. Uh, um, I got a BWK offer. And I was like, I, for the first time ever, I didn't just say yes, you know, because <laughs> I'm always just like, yep, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yep. Um. So I sat on it for like a whole week and kind of deliberated and talked to my girlfriend. She she convinced me to say no to it because it's my birthday. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. 
that makes sense. And then almost immediately, it was probably like 45 minutes later, I got a call from somebody else to do a gig on that same date. And I was just like, awesome, thanks for the offer, but you know, I just said no to this like really good money. And I'm not gonna like turn around and say yes to like a, a gig that's gonna pay like half of it. Yep. So, yeah, it's like December. There's a hand. I have a handful of Christmas parties, um, but January I have completely off. Oh wow! Yeah, I have like I have nothing. <laughs> I might I might like try to get out of town. Yeah, I <clears throat> well, I, I'm glad that I have the. Um, I'm doing the musical again at uh, West Shore Community College in Ludington and they're doing um you know kind of a what is it i'm i'm there as the rehearsal pianist but then i also kind of coordinate with the theater director and the pit director to make sure everything's on the same page from rehearsals mm -hmm. and uh you know the this time around they're putting me in a a a uh i guess a, a donor of the college has a lakeside cottage that he like rented out to the school <laughs> oh cool so i was like that's sweet i get a couple of months just it'll be like a working vacation of sorts <laughs> yeah so you just get to go stay up north and do, yeah how many rehearsals is that a week like is it every day it's uh, Monday through Thursday, so I'll have, like, Monday through Thursday evenings. Sometimes I have to come in a little earlier or stay later. Um, and then it's a shorter run than last year because uh, they had the musical right before things shut down. Um, mm. And I, since it was a longer schedule, I was able to, like, take time off to go to NAM, and, like, you know, I only needed to take two dates to go to NAM. Uh, I don't think I'll go this year um, or yeah, this next coming up winter Nam. I might try and go to the summer Nam, but it's, it all depends on earth radios calendar. <laughs> what right. We're, yeah. What we're working on. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting, man. The new album and um, you guys are playing Saturday night in Muskegon. Yeah, yep, we're playing at uh, Unruly Brewing and uh, doing kind of a Halloween-themed, I mean, it's this weekend, so <laughs> Halloween-themed yeah, right. show with uh, Flexidecible, and that should bring out a lot of Muskegonites to, you know, yeah. hang out. I'm going to try and get there. Um, that's not something you need tickets for in advance? Uh, no, I think they're taking, I think it's 10 bucks at the door. And nice. and uh, I think they have an event. They have a band like, or maybe a couple bands earlier in the day. They're kind of making a full day out of it. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have a gig in Grand Haven. Um. From one to five. So. I'm gonna do that, and then we decided we're gonna go get like costumed up come and check you guys out because i don't have anything later on oh nice yeah yeah i'm stoked yeah everyone and i'm excited thinking of the new album 
you know, this is the first time the band, usually how the Earth Radio is recorded, at least our last couple albums, they've all been, you know, like we start the recording process kind of early in the year, like late January, February, and then we get everything ready for like a summer release. Um, but things kind of get haphazardly, you know, like, Oh, a single's coming out. We kind of have a video. We have, you know, the things are kind of pieced together, but now that we have this record being worked on in the fall, we have more time to like, think about how we're presenting it and, you know, creating things to support it and, you know, being able to put out the album towards the top of our, you know, our show dates for the summer and mm -hmm. like just kind of organize things a little bit better. Um, and definitely. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to seek out a, uh, a promoter. <laughs> I, uh, I've been seeing what, uh, Lee Hearspink has been doing with his album. Um, he shares oh, all the updates with his promoter and she's doing a great job. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that album sounds amazing, by the way. You sound amazing on it, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was like, uh, I didn't realize it came out because his CD release isn't for another couple of weeks. Right. Um, but then I played I played with him last Saturday, and Joe Hedinga was there, and he was like, Lee, your album's awesome. And I was like, it got, it's out? And he was like, yeah, it came out like a couple of weeks ago. And so I listened to it on the way home and then the whole whole day on Sunday when I was traveling, I listened to it and I was just like, oh my gosh, I get to play with these guys regularly. <laughs> like this is like top notch, like <laughs> should be like uh charting, you know, like uh billboard jazz chart should be getting blown up by this album. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was a, it was, you know, that session came together so effortlessly. I can't even remember if we did two days. I think we had like one main recording day and mm -hmm. then I had to do uh, some overdubs on piano. I forget which track. I think that it's see you soon. I'm trying to remember the name of the track. It, it's like a new Orleans -y kind of yeah, yeah, catchy that's metal melody. Um, mm -hmm. That I, I went to Troubadour recording studios in Lansing and they have a, a Steinway. So that oh, was a please. nice like overdub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lee said that they, he was like, you know, I tried to chart it out as much as possible, which I think is brilliant. Um, and he was like, and we tried to make it as complex as we could to still be able to get it done in one day, like basically a one day session. Right. I'm like, I don't know how many times I've been in bands and like we go to the studio and like it'll take all day to like get the drums tracked for like two out of eight songs yep <laughs> and then you're like oh sweet i've been in the studio all day and we have like a tenth of what we need to get done done right and 
<laughs> we played, you know, we played two or three gigs that no one got paid to be able to play or to be able to pay for this one session. You know, I guess like certain genres of music kind of lend themselves to being able to do something in 24 hours, I feel like. Right. Um, but it comes, it goes back to that preparation, you know, like if you have charts and you know the music and you're with like exceptional players, you ought to be able to go in and cut something in one or two takes, you know, and keep it fresh rather than beating it to death. Or uh, in some cases, like having a whole album's worth of material and then playing it live for like three or four months before you go into the studio to cut it. So everyone knows it like, you know, top to bottom. Yeah. And then you cut the album. But then, you know, when you release it, none of your fans really care because it's not new music to them because they've been coming out to see you you know so it's like how do you do that i mean earth radio you guys cut yours in what like three days four days yeah we we spent yeah three days uh tracking and doing the majority of the overdubs there's still i think there's still a little bit of vocal stuff and then you know until everything is final final said and done there's always a chance that there might sure. be an overdub of some kind but so far we're, we're we're planning out our third mixing session um sometime i think next week but uh and kevin's been doing some edits and stuff behind the scenes to mm -hmm. keep keep things moving um but yeah, it's, and that was just because of, we had been playing, like, I guess on the record, f as a band, it, there, are, there are really only three, well, there's four new songs, and then there's a fifth song that's one of Hannah's that she never recorded, um, but we kind of rearranged um, how we had played it in the past uh and you know we had the the one we've been playing this summer stop calling me the goofy like love song to telemarketers <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and uh so that helped with this record being a little bit more focused in terms of like tracks and how much time uh it was easier to do some pre-production and you know sculpt the skeleton of it in rehearsals and then uh be able to track it as a, a full live band with scratch vocals just to have you know that go way quicker <laughs> yeah yeah it seemed like it because i i remember talking to kevin about the last record which was like in the you guys did it like in the heart of lockdown didn't you like yeah it was it, like yeah i had nothing to do but track you know earth radio <laughs> yeah we had we had worked in sessions and i you know i had, had driven down from luddington to do sessions um and 
we had been workshopping the music kind of the later half of 2019. And then once the lockdown happened, it allowed, yeah, it allowed, you know, Kevin and, and Hannah and Justin mainly sometimes Madison would uh, join on, you know, zoom and do these mixing sessions. Um, and that, yeah, kind of took shape over the, you know, the first couple months of, of quarantine, just being, <laughs> you know, having remote sessions and being like, yeah, I think we're hearing the same thing. Like zoom has, we can turn off some of the, <laughs> the, you know, was it turn on original sound or something to allow like whatever setup you have to hear unfiltered audio or something. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. It's Where like that setting. Um, I don't know if it's on mobile, but I know I know it's on on uh on PC because I had to do it last year for a um a project that this composer just was trying to make not really like a you know a metered out like piece that you'd have to track remotely. It was more of a an exercise in like cross-country music making over zoom and then just it you know it involved like uh flat you needed a flower pot and some kind of thing to strike the flower pot with <laughs> and uh there were like prompts on like a very basic like text score of just like oh here's kind of the what your portion's gonna sound like and i was with people who were in the grand valley new music ensemble and we just like did our piece and then it was added to like, you know, different groups around the country in this big stream that happened oh, in, in the summer. Cool. So it was like a big kind of collage of like groups of people doing their thing over Zoom. And then somebody was like, like curated all of it and put it together yeah it was it was like they they had each i guess each group was there was a predetermined like okay you're gonna be sixth or you're gonna be 10th and then uh who i forget the composer who arranged it but at least put the concept together uh he made the um he set up the the zoom calls so we we all got on a, a zoom call and then we had to connect to their continuous live stream um oh. so it, it was like i think over i want to say five out five or six hours maybe a little less but it over that chunk of time it was just a bunch of different groups doing things in like one long live stream and people were you know, queuing up other ensembles, like, okay, you're on in 10, you're on in, you know, 15. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it got <laughs> me really comfortable with Zoom <laughs> early on. <laughs> yeah. This is actually like my first outside of a few family parties that I had. This is kind of like my first real Zoom call. So <laughs> that's oh, yeah. kind of cool. And I was like, came into the office. I was like, I wonder if he's going to be like across the hallway and we're going to 
Like, I was like, it'd be hilarious if we, like, you were just in your off-stress hallway, I was over here. Yeah. But we were Zooming because it, because you can record it, right? Easier. With, yeah. You can just set it all up. Yeah, and, and Zoom has the built-in recording. And, you know, eventually, like, like yesterday, I, I did um, the, I guess it's called the My Music Podcast, but MI Michigan Music Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, hosted by... Uh, people in uh, KJ and the Good Time Family Band out of Grand Rapids. Um, And great podcast. I don't know when it'll come out, probably, you know, a couple months later. But Mm -hmm. uh, their setup was like, you know, they had two SM7Bs on a cloud lifter and then like, you know, uh, an omnidirectional mic uh, for me. And just had it all running in through i think an apogee interface i i couldn't i didn't get a, mm-hmm. a glimpse of it but it, the shape of it looked like it and uh the yeah just recorded to their macbook and we were just at their dining room table um mm-hmm. but they don't film it they just do audio so right. i you know eventually if i could get the equipment and just be able to have like you know, I think of like Dogtown Studio, they've, they've, you know, they have, uh, when I was there this weekend, they had uh, mounted, like, you know, just really sturdy mechanical arms that they could mount lights to or cameras or whatever they needed to put. And there's, you know, a couple on either wall and then one on the ceiling. And then they mm-hmm. have like movable, you know, stands and other things to be able yeah. to place things. Um so it'd be nice to like find a way to do that in like Studio B and just have like a couple stationary cams and then like a wide shot for you know the full table or wherever yeah the guests would be seated um right it's uh yeah by then I'd want to have another person helping me edit but <laughs> oh totally yeah um yeah, this whole podcast. Uh, what would you call it? It's almost like a new type of media, or it's like—I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that new, but I mean, it's kind of like the wild west as far as like what hits and what doesn't. And uh, it seems like the barrier to be creative and produce something is really low. Mm-hmm. um like i don't does this laugh mike are you picking it does it sound okay how's it yeah sound? i i think it sounds good it's probably more the room you know it, there's not a lot of like things to soak up reflection but it's not to a normal person to just be like okay he's talking but well that's good um yeah because i got i mean i got these to be able to do like i want to do a set break podcast like right i want to like go like everyone's hanging out outside on set break i want to have like just two of these little mics and be like here's a mic tell me a war story or you know like just have like a good sounding mobile setup that i could do that because it's really intriguing to me like you're doing four podcasts now uh three just yeah three but yeah three is a lot and partially why i i have it set up 
you know, the way that I do where I'm not like in a perfect world, if I were to, you know, get to a level of production with a podcast, it'd be like, okay, I have someone who's like helping, keeping, you know, like, oh, there's a set, there's consistent cameras, there's consistent Mm -hmm. lighting, coloring, like everything's very, you know, uniform or like aesthetically to, you know, some sort of presentation. And then, uh, you know, do do what you can from there. But I also notice, you know, I think of like the Daily Show when they went mobile um, and even mm-hmm. their podcast they have now beyond the scenes that Roy Wood Jr. hosts, um, they, you know, that's all Zoom. There's It's people with headphone mics in their offices. <laughs> and, you know, it. I don't know how much time is spent probably you know, probably cleaning up the audio and, and just kind of doing what they can with the video. But if, you know, if a professional, you know, branch of like a, you know, like daily shows owned by Viacom, like you think Viacom could just throw a bunch of money at that to make it a high quality production. But if they're like, no, you guys could do this for a low budget. Um, maybe because they don't want to spend the money, but (laughs) they, uh, well, yeah. It's like, okay, if, if, or like, you know, if everyone who thinks of podcasting at at least has heard Joe Rogan and, you know, he started with a very basic webcam and like, you know, running OBS with like very basic like headers and, and other icons. And it was just, you know, just trying to run it without really understanding a lot about audio or video. And then, right now it's the thing he has today (laughs) right which is very it's like basically a television studio isn't it it seems like when you would like if you watch it it's like almost like watching howard stern back in the day i mean you know it's like full-on full production he's got a full team doesn't he like yeah yeah it's like a full a full team to help or you know like yeah, like him or uh, Kev on stage, the um, the comedian, like his whole enterprise is like he's got a team that helps with mm-hmm. taking the content and clipping it and and posting it different places and marketing it and and uh, right. and now I think I feel like podcasting is another one of those things that like a lot of creatives are just going to start doing. I've seen a lot more people just trying it. Um, like <laughs> uh, my friend Kellen, who plays with uh, uh, Neil Francis um, on guitar. Uh, he's got a podcast that he calls uh, Sound Guys Across America, and he films it on like an old 90s camcorder and, you know, has <laughs> good audio and... <laughs> And, uh, you know, just talk, you know, it's like each episodes on like Instagram and it might be like 10 minutes, eight minutes. And it's just Mm -hmm. them telling a story about running sound at like, Oh, what's it like to, I think the episode coming out soon is he talked with a guy who had worked, uh, or he, he had started out in, in uh new orleans and then moved to denver for like 20 years worked for red rocks and now he's moving back to new orleans and uh 
So it was like, oh, tell me about running sound for thousands of shows at Red Rocks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, that's what a crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. But it seems like there's been a shift. And I think um, COVID has really been the, the catalyst. But it seems like for a long time, uh, like audio and video quality were like what everyone was after you gotta have the best video quality you gotta have the best audio quality you gotta have everything's gotta be perfect no one's gonna like it if it's not perfect right and then like all of a sudden nobody can leave their house everyone still needs to create things yep <laughs> And, you know, but it almost seems like it slowly kind of happened where we gave up our idea of what's, like, acceptable audio quality to have access to more about, like, to, you know, like, with the iPod or, like, just MP3s. Like, now it seems like audio quality doesn't really matter. Video quality doesn't really matter right it's all about like what you're saying yeah so it's become like almost like more so about your ideas than about the equipment you use to capture them and that's really exciting to me like <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know i mean i've always i had this thought the other day i remember being a kid and my mom was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be an idea guy. And she's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> I was like, I want to get paid to have ideas. She's like, well, there's not really any job where that's like your job. Right. And, but now I'm thinking, hmm, you know, podcasting is kind of, that's like the, just the ideas are what is now what people want. Right. Yeah, there's so many people with, you know, podcasting platforms that just, they just, they just, they don't even, there's no solution to anything discussed in a, in a topic. It's just like, oh, they just talk for two hours about whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And even like, um, I don't know if you checked out, at all kent dobson who is like the lead guy here at c3 he's got oh, a yeah. podcast um it's called hints and guesses and his whole point is that he's not trying to solve any problems like he's trying to like <laughs> poke holes in your ideas and ask questions that make you think and get you outside of your uh you know your framework that you have um and it's like super helpful to like listen to something like that um because it kind of lets you come to your own conclusions i feel like <clears throat> like you could jump to your own conclusions <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it yeah like just you know that that's always helpful too having having a you know a discussion and then there's just somebody you almost need that for certain ideas too like I think of, you know, weddings, like there's so, there's so many people 
who the 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 picture of a wedding in their head is like okay what dress am i gonna wear am i gonna ride it on a horse like where am i gonna ha- am i gonna have it on the lake is it gonna where are we gonna stay what's the honeymoon it's like all the the fun you know like living the fantasy come re- you know become reality mm-hmm. type thing mm-hmm. they're not going like all right if we're gonna hire a band logistically where is power and how do we get it to the band <laughs> <laughs> And it's yeah. like that's why the wedding planner is this, there to coordinate right. with the band leader to coordinate with you know the producer to <laughs> right it's right yeah you need so someone poking holes and 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 just i guess poking holes and uh kind of expanding on like you know like i i think of uh there's a podcast that um it was called frenemies and it was hosted by like two YouTube personalities uh, under the H3H3 podcast umbrella. And mm-hmm. it kind of blew up, you know, for a, a multitude of reasons, like there's still online wars between comments and fans of these people, but <laughs> there's clearly like this person's in the right. And this person thinks they're in the right very strongly, even though they're not, but mm-hmm. uh part of what the what caused a rift was like you know one host would only give ideas and that's it like would only be like yeah we should like we should go bungee jumping and then it's like okay now it's up to the dude who owns the company running the podcast to like okay what does that look like logistically do we need to sign waivers do we need to hire safety Mm -hmm. people where we do bungee jumping when can we do bungee jumping can we even do it with covid like what right you know like and then you know the next week would be like oh why don't you ever do any of my ideas like we should go jump out of a plane it's like okay (laughs) uh, where do we go (laughs) right like logistically like moving a staff and then filming that and then like you know there's so many things that go into making stuff (laughs) totally that's like a whole that's why you need your whole crew of people that make it happen mm-hmm. you know and then because that's it i want that guy's idea that's like let's go jump out of a plane <laughs> and then you know he's just like over here like thinking of the next cool thing before it even happens you know yeah because then 10 other people are like oh my god can we jump out of a plane how do we jump out of a plane? yeah and i don't know it's probably not even it's not realistic or possible to think of like being that person but it's kind of like eventually that would be great to be the guy that's just like coming up with ideas and telling people to make them happen right (laughs) like some sort of executive producer or something (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah man that's i want to yeah yeah it's executive producer that's the idea guys (laughs) yeah at least from what i understand an idea person who also uh i guess also producer credits can be given more maybe a director is is i'm thinking of like the film industry like an executive producer might be someone who just put up money for you know hiring the cast right that's what i thought it was the deal was um Um, although a studio like you know having uh 
Paul Clemson work with Earth Radio as a producer. Like he he would he had things he would do, like things he'd set up and things he'd record and track and stuff. Um or help us record and track. Uh and but he also had ideas. So I guess there's that aspect too, like slightly different role for the same name of a title. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like producers do more. I mean, it seems like if you're a producer, at least the producers I know are involved somewhat in the engineering of it, somewhat in, like, they kind of have their fingers in engineering, the writing side, pre-production side, like, if as far as film goes, they're kind of informing the director, you know, it kind of feels like they're kind of just like the the sauce that gets mixed around into everything. Yeah, they're, they have enough knowledge of how each team should be working to, like, go in and make sure things are happening. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Oh, maybe I should be a producer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, you know... Uh, I, I could add that to my title as a podcast producer. <laughs> totally. You are a podcast producer. Producing them. <laughs> right. And well, and then I think of like, you know, like YouTube has such a, a wide variety of like what type of stuff gets produced. And, you know, sometimes you can all feel like the same thing, like, oh, a reacts channel, like what more production could you have than just watching a thing and reacting to it? But some people have, you know, they've made different ver like I think of like scary pockets. They have their uh like professional musicians react series where they have people yeah. from the scary pockets umbrella like talk in depth about a, a song and its arrangement and recording and um more than just you know someone who's just watching a, a compilation of like you know like oh th this is a hydraulic press compilation and we're gonna see different things get smushed <laughs> in a hydraulic press and i'm just gonna make faces right. and go whoa that's crazy and then you know here's 10 million dollars or whatever these people <laughs> get right right or i'm gonna watch all these funny videos and try not to laugh right and <clears throat> don't forget to smash like and subscribe yeah because uh, i come out with these every week and i mean it seems like a pretty easy gig to be making videos like but how do you tell, I mean, there's such a variety of what people like now online. But how do you tell what's gonna, what's worth putting your energy towards? Cause like anything you could do that you might think is the stupidest thing ever. Could be someone <laughs> might just like fall in love with it and, and share it with everyone they know and they'll share it with everyone they know. And then all of a sudden like you're internet famous doing something that you think is stupid <laughs> <laughs> but that ironically you're famous for it you know how do you know like what do you is there any kind of any kind of metric for gauging what you think is really going to pop these days or 
You just try it, to do everything. I feel like there's like a weird social science aspect in some cases where you can like, like I, I noticed with like the, um, with how my YouTube algorithm sets up my home feed, the types of thumbnails that will appear, it won't even be like everyone I'm subscribed to, but just, and not, e and things that I'm not even subscribed to, but it'll like, it'll keep a record of like, okay, these are the, this is the type of content you're watching, but then this is also kind of the, whether it's like how an emotion is presented or like, is it a thumbnail that's like a dude with like a white outline of his frame set against something in the background, like that type of thumbnail or mm -hmm. the thumbnail that's like a heavily Photoshopped, like overly exaggerated emotional, like, oh, make the eyes bigger, the mouth wider, or like a, you know, they're right. like, oh my goodness, what? The? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> like there's like, there's people who just they joke about that, making it for the thumbnail. Like they'll stream something, and when they know it's going to be clipped for YouTube, they like, they're like, all right, we got to pick the thumbnail, and they'll just do a bunch of like different poses, and then be like, one of those will work, right? But um, then, but then YouTube's algorithm dials it in specifically for you. Mm -hmm. on what you've so are we all just now like a slave to the algorithm <laughs> yeah it's it's weird because like the the you know the the virality of stuff kind of trumps the algorithm first but then it ultimately just gets added to it <laughs> of just like you know like a video gets popular that you don't think, or, you know, someone like uh, Mr. Beast getting popular when he started out as a high schooler, just streaming, you know, absurd challenges. Like I'm going to read the dictionary. And then, you know, eight hours later, he's still reading the dictionary and there's people in the chat, just like commenting as he's reading or, and he's interacting. And now he's, all of his content is like, it has to be this huge spectacle so that it goes viral. Like it has to, it has to get like tens of millions of views to like earn enough money off of ad revenue. And then like a percentage of that, you know, viewer base buying the next merch drop and also becoming, you know, a percentage of that spending, you know, audience buying uh you know youtube memberships like it's you know subscribing for like five bucks a month or whatever it is to get like mm. premium chat stuff um that you know and then he's you know he works in sponsors and other things but like you you would <laughs> there's no like that's there's no business model for that like hey if you just read the dictionary yeah. and do absurd things when you're a high schooler You'll be able to do videos in five years with your friends. Like I ordered a pizza and tipped the delivery driver of the house. <laughs> right. Like, like, like the there's, pizza. you live here now. Yeah. There's like <laughs> no, or like, you know, another channel, like, uh, like game grumps. They started as a let's play channel with no face cam, which, you know, all let's play channels have the face cam for the, you know, the visual reaction, They've never right. had one. And it was, you know, it started with two dudes on a couch and, you know, cut to 10 years later, 
the Game Grumps brand encompasses like, you know, the content they make, merch, they have live action content, they have three touring live shows that are all designed differently, like, uh, you know, an animator game show, a, you know, a live version of what they do on YouTube that interacts with the audience, and then, you know, other sort of shows with YouTubers. Uh, they have two touring musical acts. They have a touring company because they weren't feeling supported or facilitated when they first started touring. So they made their own touring company for YouTube entertainers and they have their own video game development wing. They have like all these things. <laughs> and it started yeah. with two guys playing video games, not even current, but like, you know, like retro mostly or like weird old games. Right. And yeah, so there's like, I see that as like, there's there's something i guess for consistency and improving and learning and just having some sort of vision that is is more focused um because mm -hmm. they have they have made certain changes with like equipment or you know they just moved to a new studio and they have different like other ways they present the brand but it's right yeah it's like it's weird to think like, yeah, this company that has like ev almost every medium of entertainment under its umbrella was started by like a, a high school dropout. <laughs> yeah. Just for fun because they thought it was fun and funny. Yeah. You know, or like, it seems like there really is no good model for, you know, it, it seems like you got to have, an idea that you're into because people yep. pick up on that. Um, and that's like where it ends. Like, what else do you need? <laughs> you don't need good audio. You don't need good video. You don't, uh, I mean, I think you need people, you got to have something that people are going to pick up on. But then I think the thread, like what you were saying is like, they've, they put in work and time to build it yep. to where they're like, oh yeah, people are into this. So let's do something over here. Let's do this over here. Let's make this happen. And it wasn't like they were super successful before they started doing all that stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, this is gaining momentum. We got to capitalize on it. So let's do this or, you know, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything. Well, yeah, but. it's it's so hard to scale it because it's not it's not like like more and more people are being exposed to non-traditional job, you know, structures where there's no like, oh yeah, you start, you know, delivering the mail and then you work your way up to CEO. Like <laughs> right. know, there's no like right. classic uh, <laughs> <laughs> start in the mail room uh you were in you were yeah, an intern no 20 model. years ago and yeah it's yeah it's like you know there's all the all these companies that are investing in like content houses whether it's like you know like phase clan having their weird like cash app house or whatever it literally just says on mm -hmm. the side like the phase cash app building <laughs> yeah. or whatever and like 
you know, you, the TikTok, you know, like the hype house, you know, all these TikTokers living together and just screaming at each other in 30 second mm-hmm. intervals. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. And it's like, it's weird, but it's also, it, it makes me think like, okay, if they, if that equals an income, <laughs> then anything can be an income. Like, right. Like, yeah. anything that's crazy. Can be an income. <laughs> you don't even need i mean <laughs> i was uh driving to a gig a couple of weeks ago and this like suv passed me and it said like jenny's turning 17 and then it had like her venmo like written on the side of the car <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it's my birthday venmo me i'm gonna put that on my car and drive around that's an income that's i mean potential income yep <laughs> so it's like there's there's lots of opportunities it seems like to be monetizing anything really i mean <laughs> that's it's like the the i don't know it like i thought about the, her car wasn't that nice so, but I was like, if you put that like on a real nice, like I turned 16, this is my new, you know, brand new Jeep that daddy bought me. Yeah. Send me Venmo so I can put gas in. It's like, that's not cool, but it's almost like putting the sign up to say Venmo is almost the equivalent of like holding a piece of cardboard. Right. And, and, you know. Well, and then you have like the people who gave money to Kylie Jenner just so that she could officially become a billionaire. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, so people will literally just give their money for literally no reason. <laughs> so right. why not give there them was... any reason? Like just give them a reason. <laughs> right. right. Totally. There's that comedian that was like, uh, give me a million dollars for like, yeah, this was like 2000 six or something and somebody was just like okay and they gave, they gave him he like started a youtube channel he's like send me a million dollars i want to be a millionaire send me a million dollars <laughs> i was like this guy's freaking brilliant <laughs> but it's not gonna work twice you know it's <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's why i mean i've seen i just saw this uh australian graffiti artist um lush lush sucks is his instagram handle um s-u-x lush sucks um and he you know he's, he he makes like very like memeable graffiti like you know just doing dumb topical stuff or like you know uh he 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 made 50 cent mad because he kept making all these mashups of like you know like it's it's uh guy fitty and it's like you know guy fieri's hair and outfit with 50 cents face and then like just like you know the dumbest (laughs) dumbest things but he's he recently put up his his instagram like all the posts showing the artwork and whatever other posts he made he put up his Instagram, all, you know, four, almost 4,500 posts over however long he's had an Instagram 
Uh, he put them all up as NFTs and he's made like $2 million so far. <laughs> oh. And it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I remember we were talking about that at a gig a while ago. I don't, I don't understand the NFT thing at all. <laughs> I don't get it, man. Like, It blows my mind to think that people spend money on like a very tiny amount of code. Yeah. Because that's all it is. It's like code that you could fit. Like it's probably not even a gigabyte worth of code. It's probably like 56K amount because it's got to be a certain pixel size right doesn't it for it to right. be an and then there's got to be code written around it to make sure that it's unique and safely one of a kind but i mean the money that people have and they spend on this it makes zero sense to me <laughs> it's i see it as like a blending of like you know, because people grew, there's people nowadays who like, you know, they obviously grew up understanding like, oh yeah, if I buy a skin for my character in the Sims, like that, the only capital that has is to flex on my friends. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I got the millennium <laughs> right. suit and you don't. And, and then, you know, rich people have always kind of bought art to do the same thing. Like they'll, sure. they'll drop, millions of dollars on a piece just to say they dropped millions of dollars on a piece and not really understand art or they hired a interior decorator to like use their budget to buy a collection or something and like the it's like those type of intersections of like people who have always spent money on virtual items that they find value in and then people who have lots of money where they you know a million is like ten dollars to them <laughs> and right it's like okay that's a weird intersection <laughs> and it's i guess it it's possible and it just shows this weird way that like okay people i don't know it's like it, it like it's less in, well, I guess there's, you know, digital art, but like in some cases, you know, like with Lush Sucks, it's just photos of his graffiti. It's not like you own the graffiti. Um, you right, just own right. the picture of the graffiti. And there's also, I don't really know, understand the copyright of it. Like, is there utility in an NFT or can you just make more NFTs or is it only that, okay, I'm going to hold on to this until the demand increases and then maybe I'll try and auction it off again for more money or something. Right. Yeah. My understanding was if you, if you made an NFT, it would be the only one of its kind right. so that it would have to be verified original and, um, I mean, yeah, maybe, in 10 years it would be worth i mean maybe it is an investment for somebody thinking that way but it's not like uh 
it's not like buying a bunch of Bitcoin or, um, I mean, it's similar because they use the same kind of uh, blockchain stuff, but um, like it's just a piece of art that you can look at. And I don't even know if you're allowed to like print it out, make a hard copy of it. Right. Or what, you know, do you got to keep it in your, your like um, digital wallet and just be like, well, this is an asset that I have that I, uh, you know, at some point sell if it's worth anything. Or is it something that you can actually be like, okay, this is, I bought it as code and turned it into something physical that I can now look at without having to open electricity yeah it's it's like i feel like there's there's an element of uh you know i i remember hearing a story of um t-pain getting um he got paid money from a company i think he said like a little over fifteen thousand dollars and all they wanted him to do was make like a little ad they could run on socials uh promoting a club he's never been to <laughs> and it was purely because <laughs> the club needed to or i guess the company that owned the club um they they were trying to spend that money before the next you know fiscal year or whatever to get you know, to be able to like parlay that into more of a budget for the next year and oh so it's like, okay, so some people might just be literally just like trying to move money around and this is another way to move money. <laughs> right. And huh. It's yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's bonkers. I don't get it. I I mean who knows, man. It seems like I I don't I definitely don't know what the, where where things are headed next. You know, what do you think? Where do you think things are headed as far as like? I mean, creatively, we're musicians; we're still making music. But like, what avenues are you thinking of pursuing as far as like getting to the next? Um, I know I've always wanted things i could do wherever so getting more invested in some sort of online presence whether it's just through podcasting but also the videos you know social media um the patreon you know i've i've known about patreon since it started and i've you know i've seen people from video game companies to people like amanda palmer to you know all all these people finding or like tim dylan in the last year that this comedian he makes like a hundred and fifty some thousand a month off of just patreon and it's wow. and it's literally just people there's there's a five dollar tier and a twenty dollar tier that's it it's like you get one yeah. bonus episode or with the twenty dollar you get one bonus audio a week and then uh one bonus video a month and it's like okay so it's not like they're paying a ton of money so 
there's a lot of people who must have like found him through the internet and just latched onto that. Or, you know, like Mark Rebier, like being able to sell out the Royal Oak when I went and saw him and he's just a born out of the internet, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, it's between like Wolfpack or scary pockets or all these people who are able to like kind of take their personality and like present it in these different spaces in like content people want to watch yeah. there's there's something to be said more than i don't know like only having like because you can have like oh i'm you know mostly offline i'm local or i'm regional and that right. can work but there's also an opportunity to you know put stuff out there and just see like who who grabs onto it because you might end up with like you know like the uh the video game company i'm thinking of uh kind of funny they have a they have like a producer tier where like you can become like a you know a featured sponsor and then on top of that if you have a product they'll advertise it on your on your podcast or on the you know their podcasts and most of their content is pod it's like podcasting live streaming and youtube and then they go to some live events that also help facilitate more content but you know they they don't even have like the biggest number of subscribers <laughs> they just have like right. they have enough patrons to you know bring in tens of thousands of dollars a month in in just from patreon and and then they they have enough of an audience where they you know like oh squarespace okay this percentage of people use this code or that you know uh, mm-hmm. dollar shape so <laughs> right so you get all that affiliate um kind of kickback yeah that so and and there will be more you know like not every business will adopt it but more businesses i feel like are going to see the value of the regional content creator <laughs> someone who knows how to like like right. take an idea and sell it to an audience or just communicate it in general and in a medium right. that they're trying you know because there's always that joke of like you know like some old dude trying to make a hip young ad for the teens <laughs> and it yeah. just like falls completely flat because he's never run into a teenager since his kids were teens <laughs> right right and i'm like uh I'm trying to get uh I'm trying to work a way um for C3 it that's like the exact scenario that C3 is basically in. It's like they want younger people but they don't have any younger people to inform them on how to get the attention of more younger people and so right. it's like this thing is like, oh, we're going to put this Facebook ad out. And it's like, no kid is using Facebook. Nobody, like, no <laughs> younger, you know, if they are, it's like, you know, so you can't. What is it? They always say, like, the the solution to a problem doesn't come from the same place that created it. You know, right. like, you can't, you can't solve a problem the same mind frame that made the problem happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, 
But it seems like there's so many avenues to be created and to just keep pushing and putting stuff in front of people's faces or in their ears or, you know, it's exciting, man. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what things happen, what stuff gets added to the creative tool set and I guess what people do with you know, more access to gear and, and, and home production and, and all these types mm-hmm. of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, but yeah, this was a great chat about. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, man. Creative I really production. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you having, uh, having me on. It's really yeah, no problem. Uh, do you know, or, do you know um where <laughs> where should uh people find you if you want them to find you or should they look up c3 or what um i like i, mean, I include links to so whatever okay sure i love. would um <laughs> i mean i don't have anything really um at the moment there's not really a good reason for anyone to find me but i do sure. i mean i have profiles on facebook um and, uh, but yeah, C3 West Michigan is like my day job. Um, they're a cool spiritual community that's not, uh, not religious, but very spiritual and open. And it's right here in Grand Haven. Um, there's a lot of good stuff that happens there all the time. Um, lots of people that we work with play there. Lots of cool talks, inspiring things. I think, uh, yeah, if you're putting links, send people to C3 because it's a good place, good place to go. Yeah, I could definitely do that. Um, well, yeah, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you. <laughs> Well, you see know. you tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah, for the wedding. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> literally tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> In what he was talking about regarding that. And uh, as always, you can support me through uh, patreon.com slash duchessnedeker. You can go to duchessnedeker.com to see everything else. You can find all my socials through that as well. And you can, you know, like, follow, subscribe, all the different in- indicators of interacting with the different podcasts on whatever platform all helps me out and we'll see you in the next episode of mitten backstage take care